1: And good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Ministry of the Week Sunday Message. This is Dave Naderhood with you again this week. As uh, each Sunday at this time, we take a moment to listen into what God's doing in churches all around the Bay Area. And as I like to remind folks, this is uh, something that we take on here as a radio station as a really a way to serve uh, the church, but to serve our audience. Um, many folks listening to our station and we estimate between 20 to 30% of our audience at any given time is not connected to a local congregation. And we really want to help change that, to help you get plugged in and growing in a local church and serving in a local ministry. Um, if you are new to the area or perhaps you got disconnected from church for any number of reasons, if you're looking for a church home, we'd love to help you find and reconnect to a community that is uh, hearing the word of God preached and that is uh, serving according to God's word in their community as a, uh, as a body of believers. So you can contact me at the station, uh, Dave Naderhood, and uh, go to kfax.com to find out how to get in touch if you need help finding a church home. Uh, this past week, in the Ministry of the Week interviews, we were able to find out a bit about Warm Springs Church, located here in Fremont, where our studio is, and their senior pastor, Dr. Greg Walkup. And he's with me in studio today as well, as we're going to get ready to hear the message today. I invited him in to be able to just have a brief conversation about uh, what um, uh, the message is about today, and uh, first of all... Uh, Pastor Greg, thanks for being with us and uh, joining us in the studio this
2: past week. It's wonderful. I had a good time.
1: As uh, we learned from your sharing of your story, you've been there in ministry about uh, how long now in Warm Springs? Twenty-three years. All right. And uh, in addition to preaching, share a couple things, other things that you like to do.
2: Uh, I like to camp and. Uh but we don't do it often enough as a family. (laughs) I love to read. I love to study the scriptures, um, think about uh, how the Bible applies to my own life and and putting into practice the things I see rather than just talking about it. I know you said that
1: you enjoy playing basketball and baseball with your kids, so a Mm -hmm. question I neglected to ask you this past week is, Golden State Warriors? Oh, go Dubs. Yay! Okay, good. Right answer. <laughs> <laughs> and a very popular answer right uh, yeah. about now as well. Um, so, yeah, that's been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and your writing is uh, available online as well. I had a chance to read some of your blog posts and really enjoyed those. If you folks you want to check that out, um, uh, just look up Greg Walkup online or the... Uh, blog itself is at gregwalkup.blogspot.com. Uh, Pastor Greg, before we hear the message today, uh, would you mind just sharing a little bit about, um, this was a recently preached sermon, right? Um, mm-hmm. What was some of the, uh, the thought behind it and, and what's taking that message that you preached to your congregation, sort of a, applying it to our radio audience, um, help us sort of orient uh, what the message is about today.
2: One of the things I've thought about, um, frequently is how, um, God works through us and works in us and, um, his, um, his mind being put into our mind and his thinking working through our thinking and the fact that when we are born again, um, that means that God becomes a part of us and we essentially become a new personality, um. Where once it was just us um, processing things, um, trying to come up with solutions, uh, gathering information, talking to people, uh, and then just thinking a lot about what to do when we face circumstances that are difficult or challenging. Mm. And when we are born again, um, everything changes from that point forward. Uh, Our relationship with God is no longer one of externals, where God is um, someone that we read about or someone that we uh, hear people talk about. But God literally becomes a part of our lives um, at a much deeper level than just... um, uh, someone we care about, but he becomes a part of our mind, a part of our personality and who we are. Uh, we are now Christ and us. And so um, the topic that I'm exploring today deals with the potential that we have as believers To be able to access information that is beyond what the rest of the world can access, where we have actually God working in us and through us, and we can see things, um, know things, understand things that were not possible before we were born again.
1: Mm. And and so those insights into our mind being sort of reoriented, that's the name of the message today, the mind reoriented. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have... um, uh, really I think a challenge for us to there's a there's sort of a dual connect here in, in as I think about this that we can sometimes be sort of trapped in our own um, human ways of thinking about things and sometimes even the uh, ability I know in my own life it, sometimes that the faith became just in my mind and not in my heart and that disconnect. Uh, can happen as well but um, uh, Pastor Greg before we hear the message would you mind just opening up with a word of prayer to prepare our hearts to hear the word sure great thank you
2: Lord we love you we um, desire more of you You you're beyond our comprehension and your love is uh, so much greater than anything we can imagine we pray Lord that your mercy in showing yourself to us in revealing to us um, the way of salvation, um, the fact that you poured your life out for us, that you would take our sins into your own body and be crucified with them and that we might be born again. We pray, Lord, that we would have a renewed uh, desire to be close to you, to live in you, to walk with you. We pray, Lord, that um, as this Discussion is presented that um, you would open our eyes to the glory of being one with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Pastor Greg, thanks so much for joining
1: us in studio to uh, uh, share more about uh, Warm Springs Church. And uh, we're certainly delighted to have this opportunity to hear a message. I remember often before uh, preaching that and just in that That moment of prayer, uh, sensing God's reminder, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, for he is our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Um, Once again, if folks, you'd like to get more information about uh, Pastor Greg and Warm Springs Church, you can find them online at warmspringschurch.org. The message, once again, that you're about to hear is called The Mind Reoriented, and our ministry of the week is... Is Warm Springs Church and their lead pastor, Dr. Greg Walkup.
2: You know, um, sometimes I, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I feel like I'm out of touch with what's happening around me. <laughs> like I don't even—I'm not even aware of some of the things that occur and and some of the big things that are taking place. And when I was uh, when my family was younger, um, I used to read to my kids. A lot and we read big books lord of the rings chronicles of narnia the series little house in the prairie series and um i i used to i used to sit down with them they can tell you i used to sit down with them and i leaned my back against the back of the sofa they'd sit on the floor one on each side of me or two three on two two or three however many kids we had at the time And I would I would start reading and I would work my way through right, and then I would find myself just slurring the words, like like what I was saying wasn't making any sense. And one of my kids would like elbow me like, Dad, you're not making any sense. And so I would uh, I would just kind of like look at them, and I'd realize my eyes were heavy and droopy, and and um, I I was falling asleep. And so I would say, I can't read anymore. And I would just lay down. I wouldn't even bother going to bed. I would just lay down on the floor, and I would fall asleep. And my assumption was that everybody would get up, get in bed, and go to sleep. And then when I woke up, maybe at 2 in the morning, you know, the house would be quiet, and I'd be in bed. But that wasn't the case. I would wake up at sometimes one in the morning, and my kids were playing and doing stuff, and my wife was cooking, making cookies, and and I was like, "What? What are you doing? Why? Why why are you guys still up?" And and, well, you weren't in bed, and I'm not in bed because I fell asleep. But it struck me how how unaware I was of my environment because i was asleep that was part of the reason but also i would think sometimes that maybe there's a lot of things that i don't know that's happening right around me and i think we kind of all fit into that category of not being sure why certain things take place like being at the office and everybody laughs at a joke and you don't get it right you kind of you feel like you're or your kids talk about something i remember one time when the when the youth group years and years ago said one of the girls said to me you're the bomb pastor i had no idea what she was talking about i was just completely i had no i didn't know if it's good or bad there are times when your teacher responds in a certain situation to something and you go what why did she do that or your or your boss reacts to something that's happening in the workplace, and you can 't figure out what 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 is going on here i don't understand i don't understand why these things are taking place, why these people are acting the way they are, why they're doing what they do and and we find ourselves in a lot of situations where we're kind of we're out of touch with something and we feel kind of dis disoriented because there are forces, there are dynamics that are happening. What is it? What is, what is going on? There's, there's an interesting thing in, uh, that we see in the scriptures that indicates to us that um, maybe there's information that we are not aware of that we need to um, pay a little closer attention You know, it's funny. We live in an information, this is called the information age. And we kind of are in an information overload. You can go online and you can find almost everything, right? Almost anything you want to discover, you can find out. You can find out, you know, how to fix your car. You can find out about the value of flossing. You can find out about what rubbing alcohol can do for you as benefits. But there are certain things that we can't go online and find out right like you can't find out why your parents got a divorce you can't find out why um, why your teacher had a nervous breakdown you can't you can't discover those things there are certain things in life why why your chi- why your child dropped out of college you can't go online and google it why did my daughter drop out of college you can't google it so there's information that's all about us, and it's like so huge, and it's so available, but the things that we really care about sometimes, we don't necessarily have access to it. So there's a um, there's a passage in the book of 2 Kings that makes has made me think a lot about our situation, which is we have so much information, but maybe some of the most information... The most important information uh, we aren't we aren't getting. Um, it's found in Second Kings chapter six, and the uh, the events surrounding this is the prophet Elisha had made enemies in high places, and he was um, and he was in a Samaritan town. He was in, he was in in a Samaritan town in Dothan, and the king. This nation had sent an entire army to go get Elisha, to capture him and have him executed, because he had access to information about their workings and the things they were doing, and he wanted to just, the king just wanted to be done with Elisha and the threat that he posed to his nation, which is crazy, right? One man posed such a threat to an entire country. So, Elisha, so this king sent his army to the town where Elisha was and his servant was, and the army was surrounding the city. And the servant goes, Elisha, look at this. It's we're in we're in trouble. And Elisha knew that they weren't in trouble, but there was nobody in the town that would be would would agree with him that they weren't in tr- in trouble because there was a huge army that surrounded, way more soldiers than were necessary to capture the town. The town had no defenses against this army. And Elisha did not have any army that he could bring up against this, 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 um, this foreign power that come to the town. But Elisha said, it "says don't be afraid. He spoke to, the, to his, to his uh, servant. He says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, "O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around elisha so here's the situation Elisha and his servant are in this town and they have the the people of the town are in the town and they're quit and they're all kind of quivering because they don't know what this army is going to do and elisha's servant is very nervous and scared about the possibility of them being captured or being being executed and elisha's calm as can be because he is he is aware of what else is out there that the servant isn't aware and the people of the town aren't aware and what soldiers are in the town aren't aware. And so he asks God to open the servant's eyes and the servant looks and he sees that there are these chariots and these these chariots of fire and these horses that are surrounding the city. So there's information that Gehazi, the ser- the, that the servant doesn't have, inf- ha- doesn't have, and the people of the town don't have, but Elisha has that information. And God opens up the servant's eyes so that he can have access to that information. Now, when you when you look at this situation, you could look at it and say, "Well, that, this is a supernatural thing, right? This is a supernatural event that these these chariots of fire and these these horses were surrounding the town." But if you were to ask, if you were to ask um, Elisha, and if you were to ask the servant who saw the chariots of fire and the horses, they would not necessarily call it a supernatural event. They would simply identify it as, well, we couldn't see before, but now we see it. It wasn't that it was supernatural to them. It's that they weren't aware of these forces that were surrounding the city. And so when when if you asked them, if you asked Elisha, if you asked the servant, you know, how do you know this, that, these, that these chariots were there? How do you know that these horses were there? They would not necessarily give you a good answer they might not be able to explain it to you they might well i just saw them i knew they were there i i don't know what to say we saw them they were there they were present now the fact that somebody cannot necessarily explain to you why they see something or why they know something doesn't necessarily mean it's not true realize that right if you were to ask somebody <clears throat> about what happened at this corner over here and you saw a car hit another car, right? You saw that. You saw the car hit the other car, and then both cars leave, and there's no evidence of any cars getting into an accident. And somebody came to you and said, what happened at that corner? And you said, two cars, they hit each other. And you see no evidence of those two cars hitting each other. You you don't, the cars aren't there, the damage to the cars isn't on the ground. There's no evidence to prove that what you saw is true. You could go to that, you could say, you could speculate, well, maybe that person just imagined that. Maybe it didn't really happen. Maybe, maybe he was just thinking about things and it wasn't really, it, di- it didn't really take place. Just because you cannot articulate the clear re- reasons for knowing that you know something doesn't mean that you don't know it and you haven't seen it. Does that make sense? So when it comes to these, 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 these chariots of fire, these horses that were surrounding the city, and the fact that Elisha and his servant were the only ones that saw them and nobody else could see them, doesn't mean it wasn't so. And we don't have to necessarily put it into the category of supernatural I mean, to, to, the, to, the, to the ones who are driving the chariots, who are, who are driving the horses, they wouldn't put it into the category of supernatural. They would simply put it into the category of this is what happened. We were there. The Lord sent us. We were there. Now, I just want us to, to consider... That because you cannot explain something, because you cannot articulate or prove something to somebody else's um, uh, satisfaction, doesn't mean that what you saw and what you experienced didn't occur. And when, when people put something into the category of supernatural... What that means now in in the way the media way the way we way things are articulated when somebody puts a, a, an event or a circumstance into the category of supernatural what they mean is unbelievable comic book stuff fiction So we have to be careful when we start putting events that involve the working of God into the category of supernatural because what that communicates to a world that doesn't know anything about God is that it's unbelievable or impossible or legendary or your opinion versus my opinion. But when God works in a person's life, just because you cannot, that person cannot articulate all the proof and the evidence of what happened, cannot articulate, cannot explain it to the, to the, to, to the person who's evaluating their satisfaction, doesn't mean it didn't happen. Now, there's another passage. And I just kind of want us to put these two together in terms of what I'm trying to get across this morning. There is in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 8, an event that um, eh, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit odd to us, especially if we haven't experienced anything like this before but the prophet isaiah was in the temple and the throne of god was present and there were there were angelic beings who were in the temple area and the smoke of god was filling the room and the building was shaking Now, I want want you to think about this. Isaiah was not the high priest. So what that means is that that Isaiah was not the one that would have gone into the Holy of Holies, been the only one sitting by himself in the Holy of Holies. Kind of like um, it would be just like a very small room where the Ark of the Covenant was. Um, So Isaiah wasn't... I can I can say with 99.9% assurance that Isaiah was not the only one in the temple at the time that this event occurred. What does that mean? That means there are other people floating around, some people praying, some people there were sacrifices that were being done, the whole, the high priest would have probably might have been in there, there were other priests, there were levites, there were there was a crowd of people in the temple at the time that this event occurred. So here's Isaiah, who was who was a relative, who was who was a, a member of the royal family. Um, here here is Isaiah, who is in the temple, and he experiences these these the seraphim, the the throne of God, the smoke of the the the, the shaking. He experiences all these things. But as far as we can tell, he's the only one that noticed it. Now, here's my question, and I'm not asking you to give me an answer. But because nobody else saw it, does that mean it didn't happen? Now, there are a couple ways that we approach things like this. One is we say, oh, it was a vision or a dream, right? Which sometimes what we mean by a dream or a vision is that it didn't really happen. It just occurred in somebody's head. There's no no externals to it. Uh, we put it in the category supernatural, which means n- isn't necessarily so. That's your belief versus my belief. But we take an event like this with Isaiah and the seraphim and the and the and the throne of God and the and the smoke. We take an event like this, and we have to look at it, and we have to, we have to, we, we don't we're not the ones making the decision about whether or not it happened in just in Isaiah's head, or if it was an external event that others could have seen but didn't. We don't have, we don't make that decision, but I just want us to consider this. The famous verse, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And we know that Isaiah said, I'll, I'll go, right? Now here's here's where we get to the heart of this issue. The way this question is posed is that um, it's not just for one person. This is posed to a larger audience. So it wasn't directed just at Isaiah, like like God saying to Isaiah. Uh, I need you to go, and Isaiah says, okay, I'll go. No, the way the question is posed is that it's for a broader audience of people who are expected to respond to the question, who will go for us? As far as we know, Isaiah is the only one that says yes, right? All right, let's do a little bit of speculating. Ready? Is it possible... Is it possible that there were others in that temple that could have heard the same call but didn't? Could have seen God seated on the throne but didn't? Could have witnessed the seraphim and didn't? Is it possible that the audience that was intended for all of this event of God meeting with people and calling out who will go for us was intended for more than just one. Now, we can put it, we can say it was intended for more than what just one. It's intended for the people that are in this audit, in this in this room. It's intended for all the other people that have read this scripture and seen it who will go for us and who, right? We could put it, we could say that, and we would be right. But my but my question is Just like there was a town full of people that had the potential to be able to see the angels and the chariots and the horses surrounding the city where Elisha was. Is it possible that there were others in the temple that could have seen the living God seated on the throne and the seraphim and the smoke filling the temple? And is it possible Could it have been that there were millions who could have heard the call? Now, it may be that everyone that was in earshot of the calling of God, who shall go for us, they were just too busy. had other events that they were involved in, other ideas, other thoughts, their minds were cluttered with the things that they had they were struggling their struggles. Perhaps there was just one person who was open and available to God, presenting himself and issuing the call. You know, we can all admit it, right? Don't we all, don't we get so caught up in our thoughts and our concerns and our problems and our entertainment? Is it possible that we're not available for God to speak to us even when he does? Now, I'm not saying that's the case, but is it possible that, that we have to some degree made ourselves unavailable to the, to the working of God in dealing with us? Matters that are critical in our lives. This a passage in John chapter three, verses five through six. It's more famous. The more, most famous part is John three sixteen. Um, this is kind of the introductory material that where Jesus leads up to John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, where he's talking to Nicodemus. And um, we understand this what Jesus' statement in one way, but I want us to consider the possibility we should take extend this statement out a little bit further. Uh, Jesus, in, resp- re- in speaking to Nicodemus, said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Now, I don't want to deal too much with that, with, with that um, uh, but I will say, in terms of what does it mean to be born of water and the Spirit, um, there's a number of different ways that passage is interpreted. I think the, 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 most, the most valuable way to look at this Because of the way water is used in the Old Testament as a symbol of cleansing that comes from God. Um, That to be born of water in the spirit is not indicating to be born of baptism. But it means to have to receive the cleansing that comes from God through the Holy Spirit by means of the cross of Jesus Christ. That we have to be washed by God, cleansed by God, our sins removed. And in that process, as the Spirit becomes a a part of us through being born again, that we we become new people. So I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Obviously, right? We are born physically. Uh, Sushma is about to give birth in any couple months right and 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 this has been going on for generation after generation mothers and fathers have gotten together and babies are conceived and babies are born and flesh gives birth to flesh but to become a part be part be a part of the kingdom of god the spirit must conceive in you a a new you need to become a new person through the death of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we become new individuals. We're born, what, what, what Jesus called born again. Or some, tra- some, tra- some, some would translate born from above. But in being born from above or born again, we enter the kingdom of God. Now, what does it mean to enter the kingdom of God? Most would just quickly respond to enter the kingdom of God. It means you get to go to heaven. And that is true. You get to be a part of heaven when you are born again. When the, when the spirit of God makes you into a new person through the, through the, through the death of Christ, through faith in him. When that happens, you do gain entrance into heaven. But I think that leaves out a whole major part of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God. We misunderstand the immensity of what Jesus is promising if we just kind of put this into the category of when we are born again, someday we get to go to heaven. The the indication in this verse is that something dramatic happens when we are born again and at that moment we we enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? the kingdom of God is where God reigns. It is God's rulership. It is every place, every part, every spot where God is Lord of all. So, the kingdom of God is not just heaven, but it's within us. Didn't Jesus say the kingdom of God is among you? Right? Now that word that's translated among you can mean within you and among you in a group. The kingdom of God is God's presence as Lord in the spaces where we operate. So when you enter into the kingdom of God, you enter into Him. Now what does that, what does that imply? I put in here, the kingdom of God is all that God inhabits. It's all that God inhabits. Now, my question is, is there too little of God in you? And when I say you, I mean me too. Is there too little of God in you? Let me give you an example and we'll clarify it. Suppose we have a problem, right? Mm, problem with our husband, problem with our wife, problem with our children, problem at work, problem at school. We have a problem with um, our plumbing. <laughs> we have a, we have a pl- problem with our finances. We, have a, we just have a problem, right? Now, here's how we typically operate outside the kingdom of God. We figure out a solution, don't we? We solve the problem. We take out a loan. We get another job. We um, we go to counseling. We get a divorce. Um, we figure out a way to solve the problem. See, see how we operate when before we are born again, before the God has worked His way into us, is we operate within the kingdom of mankind. What mankind thinks about, what mankind does, the resources that mankind has. Everything that is about mankind, that's where we operate, because that's our realm. The kingdom of mankind is everything that is physical and everything that we have experienced in our brain. It is the kingdom of mankind is what we have access to without God. And the whole world operates within the kingdom of mankind. All you got to do is read Cosmopolitan magazine or or um, some article online, or and you will find how to operate within the kingdom of mankind. Turn on channel four, turn on the news at ten. You see how to operate within the kingdom of mankind. You talk to your co-workers. You tell them, you know, I, me and my wife aren't getting along. I don't know what to do. And your and your co-worker may say this or this or this, or and then you're operating within the kingdom of mankind. And it is the easiest way to operate. It is so simple. All you have to do is look at your friend. All you have to do is read something in a book. All you have to do is think about it. All you have to do is watch another person. You don't have to go anywhere to operate within the kingdom of mankind. It is just as easy as just living. But to live within the kingdom of God is a whole nother matter. And you cannot operate within the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. And what must take place is the cross of Jesus Christ must work its way into you. That means that, that the work of God and forgiving your sins and taking your sins from you and Him coming in and being a part of you, the cross of Christ must work Christ into you. And once Christ is worked into you, then you begin to operate within the kingdom of, within the kingdom of God. God what does that mean that means that everything that is of that is God becomes accessible to you everything that's of God is accessible to you before you enter into the kingdom of God you operate within the kingdom of mankind which means all of mankind that's what you have that's what you have you have it but when you operate within the kingdom of God, you now have access to the things of God. Now, this is the kingdom of mankind in talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God in the, in the eyes of mankind is books, songs, buildings, um, personalities, entertainment religious words the kingdom of mankind when it looks at the kingdom of God sees um, rules regulations but the the person who is born again no longer sees the kingdom of God as externals but begins to see the kingdom of God as internal God in me And what happens when God in me begins to operate? I have access to the things that Isaiah had access, and Elisha had access, and every person who is born again has access, which is God operating within me. Is it is it is it? Is it possible? That we have not accessed all there is to access in regard to the kingdom of God. We're really good at the kingdom of mankind. We get into fights. We argue. We figure out ways to fix our finances. But to access the kingdom of God, have we done that? I am... There are two lies that Satan has presented to Adam and Eve. And he presents them again and again. There are two lies. Lie number one is God is not good enough. And lie number two is God is not competent enough. God is not good enough. God is not competent enough. If you operate within the kingdom of mankind, then you don't deal with God because he's not good enough. He's not competent enough. The great danger of accepting one of these two lies, the great danger of it is, that you stop operating within the kingdom of God and you operate only within the kingdom of mankind. Because in Hebrews 11, chapter 6, it says, to approach God, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You cannot even approach God unless you believe he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And in Matthew, chapter 17, verses 19 to 20, Jesus, the disciples were struggling with because there was a boy that had, was suffering from seizures and they knew that, there, he would, that that involved demons and they couldn't cast the demons out. And they said, why couldn't we cast out the demons? And Jesus said, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. What, what this is describing, what both these verses are describing Is entrance into the kingdom of God. There are things that can happen within our lives, through us and in us, that can only happen through the kingdom of God. And if we're satisfied with the kingdom of mankind, that's all we have. It's all we have. It doesn't go any further. But if we are prepared to enter into the kingdom of God, where God's presence is made known to us, where he reveals his information that we cannot access any other way than through him. If he speaks to us and works through us and works his his wonders through us and does his things through us and we become his vessels, then there's a whole new realm of possibility for our lives. We have to decide as people right now Are we going to stay in the kingdom of man? If we are, it's as easy as breathing. Everybody take a deep breath. Go. It's all you got to do to stay in the kingdom of mankind. But if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you must seek him. You must allow him to work in you. Faith in Christ opens up your mind to being used by him and shifted by him. I just want to put this out here to do. What if we decide we're going to make ourselves completely available for God? What if you decide you're going to make yourself completely available for God to guide you this week? Don't go any further than this week, but just this week. Okay, Lord, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to, I, I want you to show me. I want you to help me deal with this problem that I have right here. I'm going to ask you to guide me through this situation. I'm going to ask you to reveal yourself to me. And we decide this week, this week, I will go to God again and again and again. And I will, through faith, trust that he will guide me and show me the way. What if we take this week? It's a little experiment. Enter into the kingdom of God in a new way. God, because of Jesus Christ, I believe that you will enter into my life and you'll be a part of me. And I pray... That you will show me how to live and how to operate. I have this little prayer here. And, and you're welcome to do it if you want. <clears throat> You've got a sermon insert. You can look at it. It says, enable me, Lord. Let's say this all together, even if we don't mean it. Let's say it together. Enable me, Lord Jesus. You ready? Enable me, Lord Jesus, to do kingdom of God things in a kingdom of humanity world. I'll say it one more time. Enable me, Lord Jesus, to do kingdom of God things in a kingdom of humanity world. Now, here's one more. This is between you and him. Fill my mind, O Lord, with you. Fill my mind, O Lord, with you.
1: Once again, our ministry this past week has been Warm Springs Church. You can find out more about them online at warmspringschurch.org. Thanks again for tuning in.